0: Welcome to the podcast. Today is March 1st, 2020, and this week we're going to talk about shared filter bubbles and content moderation in online communities. Because, you know, all tech platforms seem to have one thing in common, and that is that they basically cherish free speech and open communication. You know, there's very little censorship, very little deplatforming, and I think that's basically what's attracting many of the users to them, including me. And, you know, alt tech platforms, they kind of represent a renewed grand experiment, you know, going back to open communication and going back to kind of what the web was like back in the day. And so far, it's it's enjoyed great success, just like the original iteration of the web, really. And I mean, sure, I mean, we've had gab.com and those folks tainted with the dreaded alt-right hate speech brush. You know, for example, remember after the, the synagogue shooting back in October of 2018, the shooter had apparently been posting a whole bunch of rants about Jews on, on Gab.com. Now, as I understand it, he was also on Twitter, of course, and, and so are many other bigots and, and hateful idiots, but for some reason, that never kind of made it to the press, to the mainstream press. The most important thing is that he was on Gab.com and Gab was bad. And in fact, you know, the mainstream press, they're really quick to attack platforms like Gab, they they kind of depict them as some kind of a racist, friendly alt-right platform. That's literally what they're saying. But it's not that the alt-tech platforms, or Gab.com in particular, it's not that they are friendly towards any type of content in particular. They're friendly towards everything, and that's the point. It's free speech. Now, I've said this before, but there certainly is a lot of vile speech on the alt-tech platforms as well. But then again, there are plenty of, you know, plain vanilla people too. And the difference though, is that these people, these plain vanilla people, they generally don't throw a tantrum every time they see a a bigot shooting their mouth off. And, And I mean, if you see morons touting stuff that you find repulsive, then you can always mute or block them. And speaking of blocking, one relatively new phenomenon that at least I didn't hear much about before is that of sharing block lists, block list sharing. And that's used as a means to kind of clean up your experience on a platform. And this is something that I'm not a big fan of though. I mean, if if anything, this is going to lead to just even more severe filter bubbles. I mean, remember, in traditional media, the problem is exactly that the information is pre-filtered, it's editorialized, it's kind of pre-packaged for you. And I mean, look at the news, for example, it's a, it's always a sanitized and angled reality that's thrown at you. You know, some pundits make it on and others with the quote-unquote wrong ideas, they don't make it on. And also you have a lot of ideas, particularly those of wrong thinkers that are misrepresented. And of course, these wrong thinkers, they don't have any means to retort because they are not welcome. Anyway, using these ready-made block lists, I think it just enables more of the same more of the kind of filtered reality that we're seeing elsewhere on the web. And me personally, I mean, I don't trust people, anybody, to decide on their own, you know, what should be hidden from me, what's important to me and what is not. And neither should you. So I don't want a Twitter block list of people that I probably am not going to like, because I want to decide that. I want to decide what I see and what I don't see. And I think this block list thing is, that's kind of a feature of the legacy media, really. And it's not something that we should embrace in all tech, because as I say, if anything, it's going to lead to more of these parallel online realities. You're already having your digital reality manicured for you, so it's not necessarily any better if you do it yourself on top of it. So if you're gonna live in a filter bubble, well, you might as well design it yourself and from scratch, don't just embrace, you know, pre-made, pre-filtered, pre-blocked realities. Now, all of that said, I mean, there has to be some kind of a moderation, some kind of function of moderating content and screening out, you know, the blatantly inappropriate or even illegal content out there. Now, I do like that on minds.com, the process of, of removing inappropriate content is community led. So in other words, when a post is reported, a small subset of the community will sort of vote on whether it should be removed or not. And I think that's great. But as for, for sharing entire lists of users that should be squelched altogether, not good. You might remember the other week I made a podcast about Tesla. And of course, there's one group of people who are very much kind of pro-Tesla and one group who's very much kind of anti-Tesla or at least anti-Tesla stock. They think it's a giant bubble. And those two groups are feuding massively online. And of course, what they've done is there is a Tesla block list and then there is a Tesla Q block list. And so basically what it's going to lead to is that these two groups live in completely different realities. Anyway, getting back to Minds.com and how they deal with things, I think you do need a more granular approach, just like Minds.com are doing. So you need to do the moderation on a post by post basis. And so I really think Minds.com is setting a good good example here. And it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at the posts that make it through on, just look at your feed on Minds.com. Of course, I mean the content is going to be more risqué. It's going to be more it's going to be raunchier and it's going to be more daring than on Facebook. At least my feed is. But I think this is kind of a reflection of the audience at hand here. I mean, first of all, who creates the content and second of all, well, who reviews it and and what do they let through? And still, I mean, nothing too insane is coming through at least not on minds.com. With Facebook, the policies that they apply they also reflect the convictions of relatively few people. And again, you can tell on Facebook what those convictions might be. I mean, listen, in a large corporations, such as Facebook, they are going to err on the extreme side of caution when it comes to, you know, policing hate speech or removing anything that's even remotely edgy, of course. But that aside, A lot of the policies on Facebook, they don't really reflect any kind of threat of indemnification or anything like that. They don't really present many legal issues, really. And especially on the Facebook ads side of things, you can really see their policies kind of taking to an extreme because, you know, Facebook, they don't want to be seen making money off of questionable or or inflammatory content. And for example, content can be removed just because of principles such as, and I love this one, the fat shaming policy. If you use an image of a ripped guy on the beach in an ad, that can be seen as harmful, because it supposedly promotes an unattainable body image. It's crazy. So basically the point is, I mean, Facebook's policies, they're not just rooted in legal threats. It's just as much the kind of social justice warrior stuff and the overt political correctness that's shining through. So as I said, the policies just kind of reflect the convictions of those who apply them. And what they're trying to do, Facebook in particular, that is, they are trying to just appease people to safeguard their money-making machine. Facebook obviously has the option of reporting content as well. And a lot of people on the ground are kind of trying to use this feature to participate in the moderation themselves. So they report things that they disagree with. And it seems like the left is using this a lot. So much of what is called hate speech, it's not really hate speech at all. It's just, I disagree with it, speech is what it is. And so people use this reporting flagging function to try and kind of squelch their opponents. And I think the worst form of this is when people brigade together to try and, you know, mass report a user to deplatform him or her. Don't do this, is my advice. I mean, if you do, you're no better than all these kind of censorship-obsessed people around you. And in any case, I mean, it probably has very little effect to begin with. I mean, it has very little effect if you are a wrong thinker, so to speak. And I've seen that. In fact, if you report content that is actually harmful or fraudulent or incorrect, it doesn't seem to have much of an effect, really. And also remember that if you are someone like Sarah Young of the New York Times, you can wish death upon certain people. If you are a regular Joe, you cannot. So it's not a level playing field at all. Anyway, getting back to the content moderation piece though, when it is a more grassroots democratic approvals process, I think users are much more likely to accept the policy verdict as the norm, because it literally is the norm. It's interesting, if you look at the very definition of a norm, it is something that is usual, or typical, or standard. If it's common users who enforce the rules, well, it's standard users setting the standard. You know, there's a, a French expression that's quite interesting, It's comme il faut, which basically means behaving in the right way in public according to rules of social behavior. I mean, it's not a law or a regulation or anything like that. It's just something you do because it's something you do. And it's therefore widely accepted. It's something one does, comme il faut, as you do. So, for example, I mean, you don't wear a red shirt to a funeral. You don't um, ask a lady her age. You don't put your feet on the table. You don't read other people's letters and so forth. There are plenty of examples that we kind of already embrace without thinking about it too much. But I think this is something that is being lost more and more, especially online and especially over the past few years. And don't get me wrong, though. I mean, it is great to be a rebel, to be a question authority, to rage against the machine, to participate in really vigorous debate and so forth. But you have to have some kind of tact or we're we're all just going to devolve into barbarianism here. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again: that there is a lot of douchebaggery that goes on online, and I'm still surprised to this day to see you know really established people uh, in pretty meaningful positions even stoop to the kind of nonsense that you see online: the trolling, the shit posting, the dumbed down memes, etc. I mean, it's really primitive, but unfortunately, it is a sign of the times. I mean, I think it shows a loss of civility and of intelligence, really. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Now, maybe this comilfo, as I was speaking about earlier, is just evolving, or maybe it's disappearing altogether. I don't know, but it seems at the moment anything goes. So online discourse on the major platforms, probably on all platforms, is kind of It's kind of ruined as I see it. When it comes to the really important topics, you know, politics, economics, science, etc. There's very little profound, meaningful debate. It's a lot of one-liners, it's a lot of meme exchanges, it's a lot of insults and a lot of dramatic mic drop moments. And that stuff doesn't really lead anywhere, it's dumb. So it's kind of funny when you think about we've developed this sophisticated global communications machine that spans the globe and we kind of use it like baboons, really. I mean, we divide ourselves into tribes and we ignore what we dislike. We use the block list and muting and flagging and reporting and so forth. It's kind of like, it's through the newest technological advances that you really see our most primitive biases and behaviors really shine through. It's kind of bizarre, really. In any event, I think it's preferable to have the actual users, the grassroots users, deliver the verdict and moderate rather than having a top-down, you know, invisible big brother doing it. And that's not all, though. I mean, you, the user, the individual, you do need to exercise some control of your own here. I mean, do some self-policing. You can choose to be intelligent rather than stoop to, you know, the insults, the rants, all that stuff. And also, I mean, it is disappointing and strange when you see Nobel Prize winners feuding with random losers on Twitter and uh, resorting to name calling and all that stuff. It's a waste of effort and it's self-defeating. So don't be the guy who spends three hours every day arguing with absolute strangers who aren't taking in a word of what you're saying. And also some of these folks are just doing it to, to waste your time, trolling. Now, in conclusion here, there is some kind of a balance to be struck here. We all want better platforms. We all want a more sound approach to content moderation. And we all want, I think we all want better discourse. We want more meaningful conversation, etc. And I think you have to go wherever you can find that. And to some degree, all tech can be a good start, but you have to be wary of isolating yourself into a filter bubble all too much also. So... Minds.com, Gab.com, steam it, they do attract a particular type of individual. It's going to be more right-leaning, it's, it's going to be maybe more libertarian, and you have to be wary of that. You have to be wary of, of the crowd that you're surrounding yourself with. So in conclusion, I mean, we have to keep alt text smart. So don't brigade, don't report, don't mass flag just because you disagree with something. And don't be an idiot with regards to how you communicate and stay on the right side of the law when it comes to hate speech, etc. Now, and I think it's up to us if we want alt tech to succeed. I mean, if we turn alt tech into just another curated reality with shared block lists and brigading and so forth, uh, it just turns into a safe space for the alt right more or less. And then we've lost the game. Anyway, I'm curious to hear what you think. I mean, do you use these shared block list Do you use the report functionality on mainstream platforms? Do you use it on Alt-Tech? Do you think Alt-Tech is any better than legacy tech in terms of the quality of conversation? Email me on podcast at nyman.media. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to comment on an episode or if you want to support the podcast, visit nyman.media podcast. That's nyman.media slash podcast. Or feel free to leave a review wherever you're listening from. And thanks for listening.